Have you been wanting to lose weight and get healthy? Now's the perfect time to start Nutrisystem. Enjoy your favorite foods made healthier, delivered free to your door. Right now, you can get uniquely yours ultimate, our most complete foolproof plan at an amazing price. Order today and save 50%, plus get an extra $40 off. Go to Nutrisystem.com slash save and discover what millions of people already know. Nutrisystem works. Limitations apply. See website for full offer details. This week at Macy's, get an extra 25% off the season's latest styles with your coupon or Macy's card. That's on top of already great savings, like 20 to 50% off Ink, DKNY, Clubroom, and more of your favorite designers for him and her. Get 30% off one pair, 40% off two pairs of boots, shoes, and booties. And prep your kitchen with 20 to 50% off roasting pans, cookware, and more. Plus, Star Rewards members earn rewards faster during Star Money bonus days, now at Macy's. Savings off regular sale and clearance prices, exclusions apply. Have you been wanting to lose weight and get healthy? Now's the perfect time to start Nutrisystem. Enjoy your favorite foods made healthier, delivered free to your door. Right now, you can get uniquely yours ultimate, our most complete foolproof plan at an amazing price. Order today and save 50%, plus get an extra $40 off. Go to Nutrisystem.com slash save and discover what millions of people already know. Nutrisystem works. Limitations apply. See website for full offer details. This week at Macy's, get an extra 25% off the season's latest styles with your coupon or Macy's card. That's on top of already great savings, like 20 to 50% off Ink, DKNY, Clubroom, and more of your favorite designers for him and her. Get 30% off one pair, 40% off two pairs of boots, shoes, and booties. And prep your kitchen with 20 to 50% off roasting pans, cookware, and more. Plus, Star Rewards members earn rewards faster during Star Money bonus days, now at Macy's. Savings off regular sale and clearance prices, exclusions apply. Oh, I'm sorry. Did I break your concentration? Somewhere between science and superstition. We have such sights to show you. Strange. Welcome to Strange Eons Radio. That's Eric Morgan over there. Hello. That's Vanessa Williams over there. Hello. I'm Kelly Young. Hey, guys. It's been a week of <laughs> the same stuff all over again. It's been a week. Yes. <laughs> Has it been a week? Has it? <laughs> I'm, getting, uh, I'm getting a little tired of this. I think I've jumped on the bandwagon of open everything up and make masks <laughs> mandatory. Oh, yeah. Yes. Just, I mean, if it's okay for us to wear masks in a grocery store, then let's let's get this going again. I, I'm I'm tired of this. I feel like people are going to start revolting at some point, and we'll see pitchforks and torches. <laughs> it's just so boring. Like everything's just so boring. Yeah. Like I'm I'm not productive. Like I I wish I was one of those people who is like super productive in the pandemic and like yeah like ideas are flying off out of my head and onto pages. But no, I'm just sitting here. My main project that I've been working on for the last couple of months just stopped like this week. So uh. yeah, so I'm I'm just now starting to get a little bit of free time. And on the 26th in a. a yesterday a few days from now uh, over time works on this podcast situation um i'm going to be starting a new project but it's not 
super intensive. So this is the first time I've had any downtime and I've been working like weekends, late nights. Cause, um, I was a part of a creating something like 20 trailers for an Amazon game that just, uh, got announced called crucible. So it was a big, big, big project. Wow. Nice. That's cool. The way this podcast works, Vanessa, is this episode will post in like four days. So we'll have another full episode before you start working on something on the 26th. Yeah. Fantastic. Oh, I should be done with it by then. Wow. <laughs> no, no. I'll have I'll have another like week with it, I think, by the time we this has been posted. So I mean I'm heavily in the middle of this and darn, this is a fun project. <laughs> I'm so excited for you guys to see it when it's done because it's looking good. Wow. Um, you guys, I have uh, spoken to you privately both about this, uh, but now I'm going to make it public. You're both fired. No, I... Um, no, I need I, this. <laughs> I started watching Hollywood on Netflix. I didn't oh, just yes. start watching it. I, no. I binge watched it. This show, if you're not familiar, is set uh, just after World War II in Hollywood. And it's a very, it took me a while to figure this out, but it's a very uh, alternate reality version of Hollywood where gays and blacks are, are a little more accepted than they would have been then probably more accepted than, than they are now, to be honest. Boy, this show is so much fun. It's uh, The production values are crazy. It's super inspiring. It should be just called gay with a big explanation, exclamation point <laughs> behind it. But, um, <laughs> but it's, it's so much fun. Dylan McDermott is 60 years old, and they had to put gray in his hair to make him even resemble 60 years old in this. <laughs> He's so good looking, and i just fallen all in love with him all over again. Um, so if you're into filmmaking, if you're into uh, old Hollywood, this is the show for you. It's a blast. Also created by uh, Ryan Murphy, who did American Horror Story, and uh, oh. didn't he do Glee also? Yeah. Oh, I mean, he's, he's, he's very out and I feel like his whole thing is I'm going to make sure, you know, eventually that my entire next series is going to be all gay men, all gay writers, all gay, everything. And he's just kind of like moving his thing through. And, and you're kind of, I mean, if you're one way or the other, you're either going to love it or you're going to hate it, I guess. (laughs) That's crazy. It seems like he knows he's uh, got a good sense of writing that line between fun and like terrifying because there even Glee has some really dark moments in it. Yeah. And this does too. I mean, he, he tackles head on, you know, the racism and the homophobia and all of that stuff. It's, it's such a neat way to kind of get this message out there, you know, and I just, I just fucking fell in love with it. Uh, Eric knows because I was just yeah. texting oh, yeah. him regularly going, oh, my God, episode five, I'm weeping. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I need to get watching this one. <laughs> have you finished it now? Yeah, and I loved it. Oh, that's awesome. <laughs> definitely have to check it out. I watched, did I tell you guys I watched Beautiful Day in the Neighborhood? Oh, what'd you think? Is that Hanks. the Tom Hanks one? Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Tom Hanks. It's really interesting because... Like I, for, when I first saw them advertising it with Tom Hanks as, um, as Mr. Rogers, I was like, this is going to be like uncanny Valley weird, like watching him <laughs> fake this, like Fred Rogers life for two hours. Sounds awful, but it's not at all about that. 
it's um, about a super cynical guy who only views the lens, uh, the world through this lens of like everyone and everything is terrible. And he goes to do like a, a piece. Uh, he's a writer. He goes to do a piece on Mr. Rogers and like, there's just not, the guy's just really good. He's just a good human yeah. being and he helps mm -hmm. him turn his life around. So it's like really more about the dude. It was, it was neat. Um, I don't think I'd watch it again. Like, I don't think that it was like in my top 10 of the year or anything, but it was, it was a surprise to me. I Eric, did you see this one? I haven't seen that one, but I was going to say, did you see the documentary? Yeah. I, did not. I really it's wanted to. It's really good. It's very yeah. good. And yeah, he does kind of seem to be the rare, truly good person. Cause I figure if he'd done something awful, mm -hmm. it would have come out now because he's been so oh, heavily in sure. the news and all the documentaries and everybody, somebody always wants to pop up and say, he wasn't so good. Yeah. But I uh, actually, I avoided this movie just because I was angry because I felt like they were cashing in on the brilliance of that documentary. Yeah. Oh, interesting. I wonder if it was one of those weird things where um, like two projects that had a similar nature came about at around the same time because it's so, I mean, it, yeah, it's excitingly, I don't know. It, Maybe it is because the documentary came out, but it's so much more based on this article that this guy wrote in the 90s. And it's way more about that article than anything else because it is based on a true story. Right. Oh, yeah. I avoided it for the same reason. It's got a lot of weird surrealism in it. I will say that. <laughs> There's really? like a lot of, yeah, this guy keeps waking up or dreaming that he's in an episode of Mr. Rogers. And Mr. Rogers has like the little <laughs> puppets like talking at him like, are you mad? Are you sad? <laughs> And he's like, <laughs> and it's just like his psyche and like him in an episode. And Mr. Rogers will be like, this is my friend, blah, blah, blah. And like show a picture of him. And it's, it's really odd, but like, I think it works to bridge that, that place between childhood and adulthood. So I kind of watched one that goes right along that theme Ooh. in a way. Scoob. Oh, no. Oh, you did? no. How was it? A lot of fun, actually. Really? <laughs> yeah, I'm a okay Scooby fan. I like Scooby. I watched it. I was a big. My wife apparently is a bigger fan than I thought. But it does have. It's not a murder mystery, machine mystery, really oh. at all. You know, it's a movie, so they've got to have some drama. So it breaks up the Scoob gang when uh, an investor comes in and tells them that these two guys are the most useless parts of your group. Oh. So Shaggy and Scooby go off and find Blue. Is it Falcon. the Blue Falcon? Yeah, the Blue Falcon is a prominent part of it. And there's some pretty funny stuff with that. That's a well-executed character, the people around him. Dick Dastardly is the villain. And uh, the writers had some fun with that name, actually. <laughs> it was fun. I mean, it was just a nice little escapism cartoon for <laughs> the world we live in right now. Hmm. Uh, but I would, if you're not a Scooby fan, the only disappointment I'd say is they got the I forgot the guy's name. He's a good actor. He was in that uh, Last Man on Earth TV show. Hmm. The main um, guy? Yeah. He does Shaggy's voice. Oh, so they don't little, have Matt Lillard. Yeah, why didn't they get Matthew Lillard? I don't know. I was a little disappointed they didn't have him doing the voice. Uh, other than that, it's pretty good. And, you know, little puppy Scooby. It's adorable. And mm. <laughs> so. 
Interesting. Well, I, I'm just not a fan of Scooby-Doo at all. Yeah, so, I would not I recommend up with it. it. And I hate <laughs> mysteries. Like uh, mysteries to me are like Kelly's like house invasion. I just. <laughs> There's just something that they I give do. you terrify you. Oh, is that why you don't give like you them? anxiety? It stresses me out how not fun they are and how I have to sit there and keep watching them. Well, I don't think anyone would ever really argue that any episode of Scooby-Doo was an actual mystery. I think we knew exactly who the bad guy was as soon as the person who wanted to buy up land was introduced. (laughs) I think it's the slapstick nature of it. Like, I'm not a fan of, like, um, physical humor. So it just it it was never my thing. But I had plenty of friends who were obsessed and, like, had all the, like, Scooby-Doo, like, stuffed animals and, like, bed sheets and all that. So. The more recent incarnation from what the early two thousands, yeah, mm-hmm. was really actually very good. With Sarah Michelle Geller, that was a blast. Yeah, the cartoon. No, oh, she, oh okay. I think I thought she did she the voice. The, she might do the she might do the voice too, but I, I want to make sure oh. as I, that I'm actually talking about the cartoon. They they screened a couple episodes of them at the Lovecraft Festival. Yeah, <laughs> they're so Lovecraftian and Whoa. so they're it's really really well done and it's, i have definitely not seen those yeah it's very different from the original but I think it still feels like the original yeah i think it's two seasons and i i watched all two seasons oh yeah yeah i thought it was too. hilarious yeah the all only right. thing that, that being said the only thing that probably make me watch this scoob was i saw that blue falcon was on the poster and i was like what okay yeah he's yeah. prominent too so is mutt but dino mutt so is Blue Falcon a character from um, Scooby-Doo, like from the original series at all? No, but he was a Hanna-Barbera character, and they oh. all kind of floated in the same Power Hour or whatever shows yeah. they were on, stuff like that. <laughs> sure. Okay. Cool. Uh, speaking of animation, then, I don't know that Eric's into it. I don't know, Vanessa, are you a Rick and Morty fan? <laughs> um, I have not seen a lot of it, but I don't dislike it. Well, the second half of the new season has started up, so I believe this is season six. Sounds right. Uh, but uh, it's uh, it's as funny and disgusting as they all are. Very okay. insightful on the human condition and uh, and very nihilistic at the end of every episode when you realize that poor Rick is just never going to become a, a good human being. <laughs> no, no, no. I, I also think it's one of the great misinterpreted cartoons out there by a... Why are there so many, like, anti-women men who are into, like... That, that's where the, that's where the yes. misinterpretation comes from. There's a lot of... It's like, you got that out of this? Okay, yeah. sure. <laughs> I didn't realize that was going on. It's very oh, yeah. funny since, you know, both of the creators are outspoken women's right advocates and stuff like that. So I, I'm surprised oh. to hear that... The, the, the fans are this way. Well, it's sort of like what happened with Fight Club. What did people think about Fight Club? Uh, that it's uh, incel. That's very much really? about incel ideas and the idea of how it is. It has some some strong takes on masculinity, but it's not the takes that a lot of people jump to. Where it's right. we've become wimpy and crappy, so oh. we must regain our manliness by fighting. It's like kind of missing the whole point of the oh no kidding <laughs> of the movie and what Polinick has stated several times right. about it so yeah. yeah 
Yeah, I definitely, I, I definitely noticed that with Rick and Morty. Like that's part of the reason why I haven't gotten more into it, frankly, is because there are just so many like 4chan lovers yeah. watching it and going on about how like, you know, Pickle Rick is their spirit animal or whatever, <laughs> buying up all the <laughs> McDonald's, Schwen, mustard, whatever sauce. <laughs> I'm like, I don't, this is a world that, I don't know. I mean, like, I've enjoyed everything I've seen of it, but I just, the culture around it's really toxic. I think that, uh, I, I mean, I think this about all art. You get out of it what you bring to it. That's yeah. fair. Yep. That's interesting. Anyway, that uh, has started up again, and it is on uh, Cartoon Network's Adult Swim. So if you like it and you forgot that it was gone for a while, it's back. I noticed Riverdale um, dropped a new season on Netflix, which I have not yet watched, but they're, they just dropped season four. So, Ooh, wow, four seasons. Very Jeez. exciting. Yeah. <laughs> well, you got me watching that stupid show again. So I'm like, oh, really? A new season? Okay. Guess I know what I'm doing tonight. <laughs> I know. Spin up, spin up the net, Netflix. So I decided to. We decided to torture ourselves last night a little mm -hmm. bit. And it wasn't quite as brutal as I thought it was going to be. We watched Contagion. Oh, my God. I just it, watched that. It feels almost, with the exception of where shit goes really bad uh, in the movie with the crime and the level of crap in the street, it kind of almost felt like a documentary. Yeah. <laughs> right? It's like, okay, yeah, that seems about right. Okay, cool. <laughs> so I, it's eerily on the money. Like that yeah. was the, yeah, I just rewatched it two nights ago. So I'm, okay. yeah, yeah, we just watched <laughs> it at the same time. Um, yeah, the whole time I was like, okay, so they're talking about social distancing. They're uh -huh. talking about like Westerners who were like, man, my like wife started wearing a mask and like using hand sanitizer. Isn't that too much? And like the scientists being like, nope, not too much. Good. Yeah. And just weird little, you know, pinpoints that we have gone through with this mm -hmm. thing yeah. right up to the bat i was like <laughs> yes. does soderbergh know the future <laughs> the bat is here <laughs> yeah the uh that breakdown at the end where they show ends with day one where it's like wow <laughs> that's disturbingly simple <laughs> it was yeah it was really um man yeah i i definitely was i don't think i know a lot of people have watched this and become very depressed or like shook by it but i was i found it very cathartic yeah i was like oh yeah okay i'm not crazy this isn't like the things we're experiencing are the things we probably should be experiencing cool <laughs> yeah it was kind of that when it wasn't well, I had heard, you said, does Soderbergh know the future? I had heard that um, when this came out and people started watching it again and, and they were saying, you know, oh, my God, we're kind of following this whole project, except for, thank God, the, uh, the death rate. The doctor who did all the advising on that is the doctor who is uh, working on, on COVID-19. Yeah, I did read that, which is fantastic. I mean, like, it feels very accurate. Like all the science, you know, obviously science and films are made up, but it felt as accurate to like how responsing and testing and all that stuff would be and the yeah. risks that are associated with it, the way in which it passes from person to person. All, I mean, the scariest scene in that entire film to me was when the boyfriend of the, the daughter 
takes the girl out and they're doing oh. snow angels and then he gets on top of her to kiss her and takes off his mask i was like <gasps> no. put your mask back on <laughs> and I'm like, oh my god someone was it matt damon who's in yeah. that yeah, yeah and he comes in and like pulls the boy off i'm like yeah you shoot him, shoot him. <laughs> he did have a shotgun he did. <laughs> yes but yeah, it was interesting, right down to the prom night thing and everything. It's like, oh, wow. For me, the depressing part of the movie is just knowing that we have kind of known this kind of thing could happen for 20 years. Yeah. And uh, and, we, and we were still caught unprepared. But we were caught unprepared with SARS and MERS and all of that, too. One of the doctors that I listen to on some show is we are always unprepared when it comes to a virus because there are so many out there. And you just never know which one's going to pop and which one's going to just go away on its own. Even so This has been fascinating talking, guys. <laughs> uh, should we take a break and come Hold back? No. Before we go, Ooh. remember, Flower Mound, Texas. Oh. Yes. <laughs> thank you to everyone in Florida Man, Texas. Was, uh, thank you to all you rich bastards over there that are listening to our show. Um, yeah, we're so excited. Sounds we want to like know a, more about you. Sounds like a lovely place. I mean, when yeah, I started looking up the Wikipedia, like looking at the mean salary of everybody there, I'm like, geez, these guys are high on the hog. They can afford to give us some five star reviews. That's right. There you go. Yeah, going down. We're mentioning this because for some reason last week number one listening area by like 13 percent of our listeners came from flower mound texas thank you if you live in flower mound we like you <laughs> hey and since it's only a percentage th that could be 13 people listening to That's us right. we have That's no true. idea how many That's listeners true. are actually there <laughs> all right now can we take a break sure <laughs> okay <laughs> we'll be right back after these messages Have you been wanting to lose weight and get healthy? Now's the perfect time to start Nutrisystem. Enjoy your favorite foods made healthier, delivered free to your door. Right now, you can get Uniquely Yours Ultimate, our most complete foolproof plan at an amazing price. Order today and save 50%, plus get an extra $40 off. Go to Nutrisystem.com save and discover what millions of people already know. Nutrisystem works. Limitations apply. See website for full offer details. This week at Macy's, get an extra 25% off the season's latest styles with your coupon or Macy's card. That's on top of already great savings, like 20 to 50% off Ink, DKNY, Clubroom, and more of your favorite designers for him and her. Get 30% off one pair, 40% off two pairs of boots, shoes, and booties. And prep your kitchen with 20 to 50% off roasting pans, cookware, and more. Plus, Star Rewards members earn rewards faster during Star Money bonus days, now at Macy's. Savings off regular sale and clearance prices. Exclusions apply. Someone's come for a nutritious breakfast. What? Hello, my name is Boo. <laughs> Let me finish. Booberry, my ghostly good blueberry-flavored cereal, Booberry, <laughs> is part of this complete breakfast. Frankenberry's got strawberry-flavored marshmallows. Caltrocular's got chocolate marshmallows. But I've got blueberry-flavored marshmallows. Frankenberry's caltrocular. <laughs> and Booberry. <laughs> <laughs> Eric, this time your genre pick was uh, basements. Yes. Was there was there something that led you to this choice? Not really. Oh, okay. <laughs> it's just okay. There's something random and weird and 
see where it leads. Are you guys like me? Because I have a, a backlog of like ideas that I'm going to throw out, you know? Mm-hmm. So do you guys, so was this something like basement is right under pizza? <laughs> <laughs> I have some, and sometimes I pull from it. This one, I was just random, like, oh, let's just try this. Sometimes I'll also watch a really cool movie and I'll be yes. like, I want to talk about this. So what, what can I sneak in to make this my pick? Yes. Oh, I love that so much. Yeah, I've just been using it as a way to like propel forward films I want to watch. Or if I just am like, this idea is so crazy, I'm just going to torture them with it. <laughs> like pizza. Pizza. <laughs> well, All hopefully right. this one will be as fun as the pizza episode. Eric. Well, you know, probably not. <laughs> oh, not Damn it. So I would start with a quick mention of one I didn't pick just because it sounded so good and I was so disappointed. Uh, Tom Holland had his first film in since 96 come out two years ago called uh, rock, paper, scissors or rock, paper, dead, mm. which has a you know, bunch of stuff in a basement. And it's um, Tom Holland, the director of Fright Night, Fright Night and Child's Play. Um, right. It's starring Michael Madsen and Tatum O'Neill. And I was like, oh, this looks good. And uh, it's just not. <laughs> it's, it starts off fine. Uh, but Michael Madsen is like a cartoon of no. a, of a um, it's almost, I almost feel like, is he trying to go Nick Cage, but isn't quite going far enough. And mm-hmm. like the scene where the killer gets uh, insane asylum instead of jail. Yeah. I'm like, I'll be there when you get out the day you get out. He's like, no, really? come on. So unfortunately I was, I was really excited to see Tom Holland back and now not as much. So hopefully he'll do another one here soon. Boy, that's yeah. a bummer. Yeah. On a more fun note, <laughs> the film I did end up picking uh, was one I actually did end up owning, Beast in the Cellar. Terror stalks the countryside and holds the community in a grip of fear. Well, I've never seen anything like this before. Superintendent. Human, animal, or animal, animal. Joyce, Joyce, he's gone, he's gone! What are the sinister secrets of the cellar?
There you see the beast in the cellar and uncover its gruesome secrets. From 1971, a Severin release. So another one of these that I picked up at Crypticon. Uh, the Rotten Tomatoes rating on this. This is right up there with the lowest one I've ever done. <laughs> the reviews, the critics have it at 17, and the audience has it at 15. Whoa. Wow. <laughs> so, somebody makes somebody mad. They, like, sent people to give it a bad review. I, I don't know so, how yes. to get it that low. <laughs> it was directed by uh, James Kelly, who hasn't done much else. He did uh, What the Pepper Saw. So I was like, okay, the pepper sure. He, he was mainly a writer. He wrote a lot of British TV from the 60s. Um, not, you know, nothing I necessarily heard of, but it's British TV from the 60s. I'm not real up on that. But no Doctor Who was a little surprising. Um, <laughs> the, I thought everybody did Doctor Who. I thought that was like part of becoming yeah, like this, camp for what I thought, filmmakers. For, it's British. You got to do that. Uh, starring... <laughs> Byrell Reed, who was in Yellowbeard, Doctor Who, <laughs> and uh, <laughs> Doctor Five's Rise Again, the Benny Hill Show, and the wonderfully titled No Sex, Please, were British. <laughs> Beautiful. <laughs> that I want to see. <laughs> and uh, Flora Robson, who was in the most recent Clash of the Titans as one of the witches, uh, those mag magnificent men and their flying machine, or how I learned... How I Flew from London to Paris in 24 Hours and 11 Minutes. Now, that's a title. That is a hell of a title. <laughs> and The Seahawk, the uh, swashbuckling film. Uh, and let's see, John Hamill, who is also in Doctor Who in Space 1999. And the final one I've got here is Vernon uh, Dobchief with 364 credits. Wow, that's what you call a working actor. No yeah, kidding. kidding. Including Filler on the Roof, Indiana Jones, Last Crusade, and The Day of the Jackal, among obviously many, many more. So the basic storyline starts off with there's a soldiers in an English town, and one of them gets jumped in the middle of the night and brutally murdered. So the next morning is the detectives on the moors looking around, trying to figure out why he got destroyed. They come to the conclusion, looks like he was killed by a leopard. <laughs> like, <that was> an <laughs> interesting animal, <laughs> which was the detective's reaction. The other thing is like, a leopard in Britain? <laughs> like, also, um, how do you get that specific? Yeah, that's what I thought. Yeah. <laughs> it's just like claws, right? I Not mean... A, Maybe a big cat might have been another option, right. but a leopard. <laughs> he spotted, the, the body was spotted. I don't know. Uh, it starts off with these, I, not to sound too rude to the British military, with these adorable little British uh, tanks almost. Uh, where it's uh, it looks like an armored vehicle. It's got a gun like right up here, but it's got the guy's face who's driving. It's just sitting in the middle, and he's like, nee. "It's like a one-person tank." Yeah, yeah, maybe two. Probably, I think there's maybe somebody in the back as well, but no more. <laughs> and it's it it. I mean, you know, if I if it was driving me down, I wouldn't think it was cute. But on film, <laughs> it's kind of adorable. <laughs> so. <laughs> But then the basically the setting up that uh, there's a lot of soldiers in the area. The I, okay, the number one problem this movie has in its reviews, and 
if you go with it, you'll enjoy it. If it bothers you, you are not going to like the film. The two lead actresses, the lead ladies, um, banter back and forth a lot in this movie. And to me, it felt like a really fun, not as good, but a really fun uh, arsenic on old lace. Oh. Where you had two old ladies and you know they're really kind of up to something more. And they, they know what's going on far more than they're letting on. And they're they're both very good, very good performances. And I'm guessing if you go to a 1971 horror film that looks like this cover looks, <laughs> you might be really surprised at how talky the movie is. Uh, but I I liked it. I thought they were really fun to listen to, and they're really interesting, and they're kind of sweet and charming at first, even though you felt something's definitely up with these ladies. But the movie goes on with, and other people start getting killed. The kills are actually relatively violent. They're not in-your-face violent. This is often cited as a British giallo, which I think is a pretty good description. Like, So the violence is there, and it's visceral, and there's blood flying everywhere. But it's like super close-ups most of the time. It's not you're not languishing in the violence. It's more like it's here, it hits, it's brutal, and it's done. So that, I think that works well. And as the movie progresses, one of the women injures herself, and the nurse shows up, which is like, again, kind of feeling giallo-like, because the nurse randomly shows up at what feels like midnight. <laughs> like, I'm here, and she wanders <laughs> through the home because nobody answered. Uh, they live in a giant mansion, of course. As she's doing this, you get a true insight into that the ladies are definitely up to something more. When the nurse stumbles on uh, one of the other, the other lady who's healthy, burying something. <laughs> They've got a buddy soldier shows up throughout there to kind of check on the old ladies and make sure they're doing all right because he's the good soldier. And the he, of course, shows up when the young nurse arrives because he's got to hit on her. And then they go look for cigarettes and... Uh, if you haven't watched an older British movie, cigarettes have a very interesting name. <laughs> I'll just, I'll just set oh. that out there. Either you know it or you yeah. don't. <laughs> uh, so he goes and buys a pack of those. Um, the the story then starts to reveal the abusive father, who the who was a soldier, and he came back from the war not the right person. They use the the, which I think is a wonderful term for post-traumatic stress syndrome is shell-shocked. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And they talk how he had, they didn't know what that was at that time. And they, they thought, well, they knew what it was, but they didn't fully understand what it meant. And he gets abusive. They have a son. And for some reason, he hates the son just almost violently. As that is revealed a little bit, it goes to, um, hi, how you doing, Kat? <laughs> Kat's visiting. Uh, <laughs> the son's name is Stephen. Stephen went his way to school after father died. Uh, they they start telling, okay, here's go. I'm going to drop my spoiler alert warning at this point, because this is where they start to reveal what's really going on. The police have shown up and they've got dogs on the hunt and they're trying to figure, find some of the missing soldiers. And as this is going on, the older sister is upstairs dying in bed, and the younger sister starts to tell 
the story of what happened. And this is where it really felt like a play, uh, which I was already in for, and I was fully accepting the way this ended. But it basically ends with her telling the story of how when the his Stephen came back from school, he wanted to join the military. And the two sisters were so terrified that he was going to join the military and turn into their father, they uh, bricked him up in the cellar. Oh, my God. <laughs> so they, they left a little hole where they fed him and gave him water. How <laughs> it's very like, Edgar Allan Poe. <laughs> yeah, it's like, oh, well, that's unpleasant. Oh, my God. Uh, the oh, bird. Hello, bird. Can you guys hear that? Oh yes, yes. you can. It's, oh my gosh! Cute. So her, but her telling this story, she tells it so well, and it's so chilling. Mm -hmm. Unfortunately, one of the big thoughts I had while watching it is, this story would have made a hell of a movie. Oh, uh, just so, that segment. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's a it's a neat, interesting movie as it was, and I I enjoyed watching it. Um, mm -hmm. But that would have been a better movie. <laughs> Just that story, if they'd if they told the story as the movie, mm -hmm. I think it would have been a little better because it's one of those where you get to the final end and the reveal of the guy, and you know, he attacks the sister, and the cop comes and shoots him, and the guy dies. The real villains in the the story are the sisters and what they did to their brother not the guy who's out killing people <laughs> and, wow. you know, and he's killing the soldiers because they're what he views as his father or what he wanted to be. And he, so that was kind of the explanation they gave as to why he went on a killing spree. For me, the movie works because I enjoyed the two sisters performances. And uh, if you don't like that, you're not, this movie's going to leave you a little cold. That's probably why it has, Fifteen. <laughs> I was going to say. Yeah, I was going to say. Why such a low rating then? Yeah, I, mm -hmm. I, the only thing I think is people heard "Ooh, British Giallo" or horror from the early seventies, and they just thought they're going to get uh, Hirsch and Gordon Lewis or Hammer or something, and it's really none of those. It was a little strange, though, that in the U.S. it was distributed by the Canon Group. What year was Whoa. this? <laughs> I'm not sure what the year they distributed it, but the oh. movie came out in 71. Yeah, I was going to say, was the Canon Group around in 71? Yeah, maybe they didn't get it till the 80s. Yeah, that's one I was thinking. It was uh, produced by a short-lived horror production company in British in England called Tygon, hmm. which produced Witchfinder General, which I haven't seen, and the very good... Uh, the blood on Satan's claw. But uh, so they were kind of the third of the. There was Hammer, and there was the, the guys who did uh, starts with an A. Panicus. Yeah, yeah, that did some really good stuff in the seventies. But they were the, <laughs> the little stepchild that did a couple movies and left. <laughs> yeah. So I'll go ahead and jump in. Um, this was an interesting topic, and in that like there it was a little bit. There's so many good options, but then they're all almost a little obvious. So I was like, oh, I'm going to pick out like a obscure one. So I had a long list and there were a lot of rejects in this file. <laughs> so I don't know if I'll yeah. come back around to any of those, but I will say um, one that popped up on a lot of lists for like classic basements uh, films um, included The House in the Cemetery. 
mm-hmm. which yeah. is god awful. <laughs> <laughs> There's a little kid actor in that, and it is impossible to get past. I watched that thing, and it was a lot of pain. Um, but the film I did end up on, and it's got its own set of problems, but um, it's it's got some a really interesting premise, which is called. It's got two names. It's called Intruders, but it's originally called Shut In. Today's offering, meatloaf, green beans, almondine, and apple cobbler. I don't know how I'm going to do this without you. Your brother's already approved this. He's taking care of everything. I just need a signature. Are you going to keep the place? Of course. This is my home. So this is a 2015 fairly low budget film. I actually couldn't find any action, like box office or budget numbers anywhere. So I don't know if it was just like they buried that information or if it was like a total bomb or what happened, but uh, definitely pretty hidden. And especially since it's renamed, I'm wonder if, wondering if they tried to like remarket it um, after it came out. Rotten Tomatoes critics score is 48 and the audience score is 31. So not the best ratings. Um, It's marketed as a drama horror thriller and the IMDb premise, both useful and not useful. Um, (laughs) Anna suffers from um, agoraphobia. So crippling that when a trio of criminals break into her house, she cannot bring herself to flee but what the intruders don't realize is that agoraphobia is not her only problem. Ooh. I'm guessing whatever her other problem is, is in the basement. Well, it's partly. Okay. <laughs> partly. So um, just a little bit about this film. The cast and crew um, directed by Adam Schindler. Uh, he's He mostly did like assistant assistant work for producers, other producers, directors, and writers until 2011. And he wrote this in 2015. So (laughs) very close. Almost landed on me. He circled. circled. If I put my (laughs) hand out, he might have, but um, (laughs) close. Um, So he had about a four year period between having done a ton of like PA work to 
directing his own film. Currently, he's directed one short film called Killing Floor. Uh, or sorry, right before he did this, he did one short film called Killing Floor. So I don't know how he got this movie. And um, he did three segments that are going to be coming out of a, a series that'll be coming out later this year called 50 States of Fright. Or is that already out? No, that's the uh, that's the one on QB. That's what it is. Okay. Segment he did. I don't have it written down here. Um, and he wrote Delivery, The Beast Within. <laughs> <laughs> so that's like his entire career. So, um, and then there's two writers on this. We've got TJ Simful, who did part of um, VHS Viral. He did Vicious Circles segment. He also did No Tell Motel, which is just a hilarious title. It sounded pretty interesting to me. And then Crawl to Me. So who knows who this guy is? Um, he's currently doing something called Hellbent and Weep. And then David White, um, who also has only written three films, also including VHS viral segment Vicious Circles, Intruders, and the upcoming film Weep. So these guys are like, I don't know how they got this film. It had to have been like a favor or something. <laughs> Uh, so I'm getting circled. He's going to attack. No, um, <laughs> he's biting his time. Um, so I don't know like how they got this film under their belt because it's, it seems like it's, you know, it's probably a, a 20, 10 to $20 million budget film. Wow. It Whoop. seems like it's not super low budget. It's, it's in between. There's a lot of like gags in here. There's a lot of, um, not like VFX, but there is a fair amount of special effects. Like there's a few names that you'd recognize in this. So I feel like this is like a decent budget movie. So I don't know how this happened. They must have just known the right person. Um, it stars somebody who um, I don't really, I, I don't know her super well. Beth, uh, Beth Risegraf. Um, she plays the main character, Anna Rook, who's the agoraphobic woman um she's done a ton of bit roles but her main thing is she's done 77 episodes of leverage so oh, oh. i don't know who this is but that's like her thing and that's leverage what you know is a hell of a show is I, it yeah i enjoyed leverage a lot she plays parker if you know who that is yeah. uh, she's blonde she's yep. beautiful she's mm -hmm. super beautiful uh she also plays billy's mother in stranger things i was trying to write down things i'd actually have any idea who she is um <laughs> and she'll be in an upcoming show called uh, 68 whiskey she fun fact um was engaged with jason lee uh they split up but um they have a child together whose name is pilot inspector reese graf lee <laughs> <laughs> Wow. Yeah. Thanks, Mom and Dad. I really appreciate that. Pilot Inspector. And it's spelled like French. There are a couple of people you might recognize in this, though. So Rory Culkin is the main big name associated with this picture. So obviously still like an indie film. Uh, he plays Dan. He's basically a Meals on Wheels guy slash... I don't know what he does. He shows up with food and makes quips. So... Yeah. Um, if, for those of you who don't know Rory Culkin, he's the brother of Macaulay Culkin. He's one of seven of the Culkin clan. He started off by being um, playing his like brother actors, like younger versions of themselves. So he's like in a photo on Richie Rich of like young Richie. He's in Igby Goes Down as young Igby. So he just plays like younger versions. And then his first um, real role was You Can Count on Me. And since then, he's gone on to be 
in Signs, Mean Creek, Dean, uh, Scream 4, and of course, this great picture. Uh, and then we've got like um, kind of the three bad guys in this, which you've got um, Jack Kessie, who plays JP. He's the boring one. He was the <laughs> dangerous leader. He's boring as hell. You would know him from uh, playing the master in The Strain. Joshua Mickle, who plays Vance, who's kind of like the skateboarder stoner, like, oh no, man, we shouldn't like be here now. Everything's messed up. <laughs> Let's not kill her. Guys, we're going too far. Is this another movie you're going to end with? I, I'm talking about it because I want to make sure people don't watch it. No, no. <laughs> I, I actually, I'm trying really hard now to choose films that are watchable at least. So if I, if I was going to do that, I'd do House, on, uh, House in the Cemetery. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> that was anyway. That was, yeah. <laughs> it's rough. Uh but anyway, so you might know him as Jared from Walking Dead and then Martin Starr, who's probably the biggest name in this film. Um he plays scary uh Perry, who's kind of this like scary, unhinged, like crazy psychopath, like, yeah, I'm just gonna stab her and see what happens. Um, but you know him as um either Bethram in Silicon Valley. He plays Mr. Harrington in Spider-Man Homecoming, the um teacher who's like taking them across Europe. Oh, okay. Yeah, he plays Roman in Party Down or Bill in Freaks and Geeks was his big first role. So the guy's super recognizable and he's done a ton of stuff and he's by far the best actor in this thing. He just runs circles around everybody. So the film, um, basically we start off on a woman who looks, she's beautiful, but she looks incredibly unhappy. She's taking care of this guy who's like in like a hospital bed that's inside of their home. Um, you're not really sure what the relationship to her with her and this guy is like, whether he's her dad or her husband turns out he's her brother. He's very close to death. Uh, she is just kind of a dick to him the whole time. And like, there's a, a very telling scene in which he, he somehow manages, even though he's bed bound, manages to get outside and like is sitting on a porch swing at night. And he's like, come join me. I want you to experience the stars. And she's like, how'd you get out here? Well, I'm not helping you get back. Close his door. I was like, man. And then like two days later, he dies. So I'm like, good job, lady. <laughs> Way to be a jerk to this poor dude on his deathbed. Um, he passes away, and there there starts to unravel this plot that's a little confusing. So she's a, she's supposed to be inheriting like a ton of money, um, and she just has to sign some paperwork. And this woman keeps showing up to get her to sign this paperwork so she can be unbelievably rich. But she's already unbelievably rich, even though she lives in this slightly like. It's a big house, but it looks a bit run down. So the money thing, I don't know why or how or in what way she has all this money. Rory Culkin shows up to deliver his food to her and with his quips about, oh, well, today we've got meatloaf, more loaf than meat, if you know what I mean. And uh, she has a little breakdown and she really. sits down and <laughs> offers him this giant bag of money. And she's like, I don't, I don't need it. I don't want it. Just take it. And he's like, I cannot take this money. So he leaves. She's supposed to go to a funeral. And this is when we learned that she can't go outside. She, this is when we figure out she's agoraphobic because she puts on her whole garb, like beautiful, like black dress, puts her hair up, can't go outside. And it's obviously her 
brother who just passed away his funeral. Um, she, she then gets a series of phone calls from what I thought was her sister, but that doesn't make sense for the rest of the plot. So there's somebody who cares about her deeply, who's calling her and trying to get her to come out. It's like, hey, I'm really excited you're gonna come outside. Next voicemail, hey man, like you can do it. I believe in you, like we're waiting for you here. Next phone call, the funeral's starting, but if you leave now, <laughs> you might make it. So she, she fails. She can't go out even for this important thing. Um, in the meantime, three dudes show up in a truck to it becomes a home invasion film um to break into her house and get all this money that she has she's not supposed to be there because she's supposed to be at her brother's funeral and thus begins a game of kind of cat and mouse where she is running around trying to escape these dudes these dudes initially are in there trying to find money but then it turns into oh shit like we've got a witness and we've got to take care of her because she seen her faces and they discover she can't get outside. So they're like, Oh, ha ha. We've got you now. You can't even leave. We could just have the door open. You won't even go. And, um, she super does not go. Uh, so, um, but this is when the twist occurs. She manages to injure one of the three dudes, I guess she kills him. She like stabs him in the neck. Um, she pulls him downstairs. So you just see the two dudes and they're kind of like listening to the sound. It goes thunk, thunk, thunk. And she's pulling this body downstairs and she puts in this basement. The two guys go downstairs to the basement to try and figure out what's going on. And lo and behold, she presses a button and the stairs go into the wall and they're trapped in this weird, like all of a sudden it's saw. It's so crazy. You're like, wait, what? And there's like these rooms with like these things in them. And you're not sure like what she's going to do to these guys. And her personality like flips a little and she becomes, um, a little more like, I guess, sinister, evil. Like now you're like, you guys have really fucked up because you're inside my circle of the hellscape house <laughs> thing. My red room. My red room. <laughs> exactly. Um, so this is when the film, I feel like there's a fork in the road. It could be incredible. You really want it to be like, oh, well, um, she's actually, her and her brother were playing these horrible, like, mind games with these people and, like, torturing them, and they have to, like, to get out of this room, you have to cut off your own arm. Like, you, I don't like the Saw films, and I was like, cool, we're about to be in a Saw film. This is crazy. <laughs> Instead, it's like she's only kind of in control. Like, she she has the upper hand. She literally can do anything she wants them, but she's still, like, almost hiding and running from them at times, even though she has them trapped. So it becomes very odd. From there, we've just got a series of um, her getting them to go from one room to another, and nothing's really happening to them. They're, they're not really, like, getting trapped in anything or injured too much it's it's very odd um rory um colkin has showed back up he um came in actually when they were all like bumbling around upstairs and they had tied him up and she's like oh well you're fucking in on it too and he's like 
Hey, you're not this person. Like when she locks in the basement, he's like, you're not this person. You're a good person. She's like, you don't know who I am. And throws him in the basement and he gets severely injured. His knees all fucked up. It's like being out of itself. So there's some like really interesting gore moments happening. Um, and this is where I'll go ahead and give a spoiler alert. I'm just going to go ahead and talk about the ending here. So she eventually gets into a situation where um, she decides to save Rory Culkin's life because he's kind of a good guy. Um, she has given one of the dudes a gun with a single bullet in it to shoot himself. He's not doing it. Instead, he puts it on Rory and Rory's like shit. And she's like, fine, whatever you guys can leave. So she opens up the house and they can go out. They go out, but then the smart boring one goes back in and he's like, well, fuck you, bitch. He starts like dumping gasoline around and she, um, she comes out and he like grabs her. And he's like, I'm going to kill you because you killed my brother. Who was the first guy she killed? She's just like, well, here's money. Just take the money. Who cares? And he's like, well, that's not good enough. And her backstory is that she, the whole room system exists because she was sexually assaulted by her father. She was abused severely by her dad. And when her dad died, the reason why she didn't leave the house is she was really messed up by that. And when her father died, her and her brother have set up this downstairs elaborate basement to put pedophiles in and to torture them and kill them. So the brother who now, who knows this, the, the boring main guy, he decides to grab her and take her upstairs to rape her in her childhood bedroom as like punishment. <laughs> it's so out of nowhere. And then like Rory Culkin like stumbles in and he's like, no, you shouldn't do it friend. And she, like, she, the guy's like, shut up. And she like shoots him. And like, basically the movies, I, I, it's very, anticlimactic and that's the problem like the third act of this film is extremely problematic rory culkin then it's great actually the final scene is pretty brilliant um she sits down on the couch she's not gonna leave she's shut in she's she's she could not do it this whole film so obviously she's not gonna do it now rory culkin's like okay well this was fun <laughs> he like steps outside and just closes the door like Bye. And then we see headlights go across her face as he drives away. And you're like, damn, all right, that guy's fucking out. He's like, I'm done with this whole movie. <laughs> and she sat there and then she like gets up, opens the door, goes outside and burns her house down. And I'm like, why? What? What was the motivator? <laughs> so here's the good things about this movie. All right it has a really cool setup. Like I really like the initial idea of this woman who um, she can't leave, even though her house is being broken into. I think it's a neat premise because it gives so you have so many problems in films where you're like, why don't you just jump out the window? Why don't you just, you know, go past the guy? Why don't you just scream for help? All these things. And there's some really good reasons why she doesn't, because not only um, can she not leave, but she also isn't going to call the cops because there's like dead bodies in her house. So there's some really good logic to a point. Um, I love that this house, like, has this weird trap situation where it's got like wings and things that like disappear and one room leads into another and you just don't know what the thing is. That's really neat. 
there's also a great moment where when they come in to find her money, that bag filled with like thousands of dollars, the bag of money is on the table in front of them, the whole film. That's cool. It's very Hitchcockian. Um, the idea of her switching personalities is super great. Um, and the pain that like injuries that you see people go through also good. And best of all, she has really nice hair. <laughs> that girl's hair it's just bouncing it's beautiful it's in these nice little ring oh my god it's it's gorgeous hair so good whole way through never gets messed up love it the bad and the third act is just such a huge letdown um i found one quote of somebody who reviewed the film where they said um dennis harvey who wrote for a variety said it's an efficiently engineered set a suspense film with a solid performance uh with solid performances and a tight pace but the third act is a bit of a letdown and that's like a hundred percent accurate you just like i just wanted so much more and they had so many more opportunities and i think it really loses a lot of momentum when the the best actor in the film dies at that point you're just like i don't care about anybody else in this movie um and i'm not talking about rory Culkin. Sorry. Um, her weaknesses are infuriating to watch when she should have the upper hand and she should just be owning the film and she's still like skittering around like a mouse. I'm like, I can't, dude, you need to, like, they need this character to just own it. Um, and then the ending is baffling. Makes literally no sense. So it has, it's a hard film because I'd say it's not that you shouldn't see it. It has tons of really fun things in it, but I also wouldn't necessarily recommend it just because it really misuses so much of what it could have done. I'm confused. Is the late, does the lady have a split personality? No. Okay. She just gets uh, you know a little what? more confident when she gets into the basement. Now you're in my world. You know what? I don't know. I, I say that and I actually don't know. It seems it, to me, it seemed like once they're in the basement, she's like, oh, actually, you don't even know, but this house is my house and I can do these things to you. But maybe she does. And the way that the IMDb premise breaks it down, it sounds like she has some additional disorder, but you never see that really take fruition. And I think if that had been the the trigger that would have made so much more sense because her going between being a scaredy cat and in charge would have just been so much more interesting if she was going between two different personalities of like this is this version and this is this version of me right okay and knowing her from leverage she's she's good in leverage but she's in a mm -hmm. large group there's like six or seven people involved in every episode of leverage they're like a team of uh, oh. con artists the actress was fine. I think that. it was the direction and the writing, which makes sense because this is guy. This is a PA, a PA Ouch. with one short under his belt, or yeah, like one one short under his belt. Like this guy doesn't know what he's doing. Like the writing team doesn't know what they're doing. Wow. So <laughs> it's just. I mean, it's a cool idea. It just doesn't. Man, they needed like five more drafts. Just the, the final act, just really pin it down. All right. Well, I will jump in. I yeah, decided Kelly. to use this topic to uh, watch a movie that I had not seen before, but I have heard a million people talk about. And that is from 1973, Don't Be Afraid of the Dark. Kim Darby has inherited this house from her grandmother. But the house has some secrets. What's this? 
sir, for cleaning out the ashes. It's been bolted shut. By me. And that's the way it should stay. I think they're visitors. Visitors? Mice. I thought I saw something in the kitchen. imagine both of you have seen this um you know what i thought i when you first said this i thought you meant um are you afraid of the dark oh okay the nickelodeon series so i I have not seen don't be afraid of the dark i have seen are you afraid of the dark (laughs) well this was a 1973 tv movie and it is available to watch on uh warner archives they put this out again nice um, and because it's a TV movie, there's no budget or box office information, but the Rotten Tomatoes critics score has it at 67% and the audience have it at 58%. It was directed by John Newland, who has 61 credits, all TV. Remember, this is 1973, so he's directing a ton of TV shows and they range from uh, an episode of the original Star Trek to Thriller to Alfred Hitchcock Presents, Wonder Woman fantasy island police woman and uh one step beyond police woman yeah me too i love that show um it was written by nigel mccann who has several episodes of the waltons under his belt and uh stuff as recent as seventh heaven so okay stars kim darby who has 85 credits uh, including ironside love boat streets of san francisco and but she was probably best known as she was a little girl in the original true grit movie with john wayne oh yeah yeah cool and it also stars jim hutton who uh, was oh, on a couple nice. of episodes of love american style father knows best one day at a time and he actually played ellery queen in the series ellery queen i've heard so much about this movie and there was a remake that came out in 2011, which I'll get into a little bit later. But uh, I wasn't sure exactly what to expect. So I'm just going to go through it really quickly because I think this is something that most people my age have seen. And I'm not sure how I missed this when it came out. I mean, I would have only been four when it came out, but I was only six when Jaws came out. So I managed to see that in the theaters. It seems like this is something my mom would have been just fine with me watching. Oh, my God. (laughs) So Kim Darby plays Sally, who is a, a neurotic woman who has inherited a gigantic Victorian mansion. And she and her husband, Alex, decide they're going to renovate it and redecorate it and all this stuff. Uh, She finds a locked door and she busts down the lock and discovers that the house has a very cool, creepy basement down below. Uh, In the basement is this beautiful fireplace that has been mysteriously bricked up. Why would anybody do something like this? Don't unbrick it. Don't unbrick it. The answer is always, I'm sure they had a good reason. (laughs) Maybe we'll just leave this alone. But she has the bricks removed and unwittingly unleashes these tiny little demons that have been living in this sub-sub basement of the house. And it doesn't ever show that, but it shows you some really cool perspective shots where they unbrick it and it just drops down a hole. So they're looking down and the camera looks like it's miles below them looking up at their tiny faces up there. And they're like, wow, no wonder they break this up. It's a big, huge hole. And these things kind of, these little demons start tormenting her. They're like um, evil little fairies uh, or trolls. 
keep in mind she has had some they don't really tell you what her mental issues are but she has something it could just you know it's 1973 she could have the vapors who knows <laughs> um, <The> vapors. <laughs> and uh these little creatures are played by actors in suits so you're getting a lot of forced perspective shots and a lot of shots where they are running around in sets that have been scaled up you know 200 times so how little are they? They look like they're about, you know, eight inches tall, maybe. Whoa, okay. They're tiny. Yeah. Mm. Um, so Sally, she begins to start seeing these little creatures everywhere. And she's trying to um, to get her husband to believe her. And he doesn't believe a thing. But not only does he not believe, he like aggressively doesn't believe her to the point where he's a huge Ouch. dick. And you're wondering, why did you end up marrying this guy? Or <laughs> if you're that guy and you dislike her so much, why did you marry her? It's, it's one of those things that I always have a hard time with when the married couple, you know, seem to actively hate each other. Yeah. You're kind of like, how did you guys meet and fall in love in the first place? But it was the 70s. Who knows? <laughs> Arranged um, marriage. Yeah, he, he does end up being a real dick or, or feeling like a real dick, even though he's worried about her mental health and everything. He's just a real dick about all of it. Um, pretty soon people are dying. The, uh, the lead redecorator falls down the stairs to the basement and he dies and uh, she can't get anybody to believe her her husband's got a big huge party that he's got to have happening there and she's actually seeing the little demon things running around through the party like in a potted plant and stuff like that she's trying to take pictures <laughs> nice. of them and uh, there's there's a scene at a dinner table where it's under the table and you can see everybody's feet and here are these creatures that are trying to fuck with her for some reason and i'll, I'll I'll drop my spoiler warning here because if you haven't seen this, this is where it does get kind of cool. And it is kind of the whole point of the movie, I guess. At one point, she is alone in the house at, in the last act and she's trying to stop these creatures there. They are afraid of light. So she's using like a camera flash to try and scare them away. But they end up getting a uh, rope around her, uh, around her feet. And knocking her over to, to the point where she's in some kind of state of semi-consciousness. And they've got this rope around her feet and they begin dragging her through the house, down Jeez. the basement. Boom, 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 down the stairs and everything. And she can't really fight them. Meanwhile, her, her husband and a friend are, have uh, broken down the door, which was locked from the inside, you know, to get back into the house. They, they've started to believe that something is going on. And um, she is... You know, I was shocked, <laughs> dragged down into this hole. And that's pretty much the end of the movie. Her husband oh. staring down into this hole going, I, you know, I think she might have been telling the truth. Wow. The way the film starts is the shot of this house and you're hearing these creepy whispering voices. You know, is, is she going to come? Is somebody going to come? She's going to rescue us and all that stuff. And the way the film ends is with those creepy voices again. But now you can definitely hear that. Her voice is one of the creepy voices whispering. Oh. And so she's she's been dragged down and become one of these little creatures, I guess, is what we're supposed to believe. It's oh. a it's a it's a pretty creep, creepy ending. And I'll admit this. If I had seen this at a young age, I think that this would have been one of those kinder trauma movies because yeah. the the whispering is very creepy and the creatures are pretty creepy they're people in costumes but they've got really creepy mask faces and stuff and this probably would have terrified me as a five or six year old like it does a little bit of trivia on this i did think this was pretty interesting the total pre-production production and post-production time including casting special effects voiceover and all the shooting was done in 
just over two weeks. Whoa. This is the quickest made for TV movie ever made from, from green light to finish. Does it feel like um, that? Or is it just super well organized? It's pretty well organized, but the whole point of it was they were dealing with a writer's strike that had oh, happened just right. prior to the production. So they were pushing this to get it in and in the can so that they would actually have material to show. The role of Alex was originally given to George Hamilton, who you might know oh. from such lovely movies as uh, uh, Love at First Bite right. and Zorro the Gay Blade, and he also played Evil Knievel in the Evil Knievel movie. No, I knew that going into this movie, and so it was a little distracting because I didn't love the actor playing Alex very much, and I kept thinking, oh, George would have delivered that. <laughs> so I liked the movie, but I, I didn't love it, and um, I decided, okay, I'm going to watch the remake of this again maybe i didn't give that a fair shake because i remember seeing that movie in the theaters when it came out and that's a rated r film produced by guillermo del toro and that was a passion project of his i i remember watching it in the theater not loving it and i decided to go back and watch it apparently i was not alone so in 2010 <laughs> the um the remake had uh, Katie Holmes and Guy Pierce in it. Hmm. It was um, written by Guillermo del Toro based on this TV movie. It was directed wow. by Troy Nixie, who has done nothing since that movie. Right? So if you've got a Guillermo del Toro produced and written film that he felt enough of you to give you a chance on this and you didn't do anything afterwards. Ouch. Yeah. The critics had that one at 60% and the audience has it at 34%. Oof. So I watched this again. I liked it a lot more than I liked it the first time. And I'll have to, I have to say this and sorry to everybody. I liked it a lot more than the TV movie. Um, <laughs> it's got a lot of the very same beats. The creatures were way creepier. They're very skinny. Um, fuck. I don't know what to call them. They're like rats that can walk on their hind legs and carry weapons and everything. But the faces are very human, kind of like a Brown Jenkins kind of thing going on there. The main protagonist in this one is a child because duh, Del Toro wrote it. <laughs> and it's still got a really creepy downer ending uh, where Katie Holmes, who basically is playing the same Kim Darby character. It's just, they've shifted the attention away from her and, and put it on the child. I gotta say, I enjoyed it a lot more than the TV version, but I was I was glad that I did finally get to see the TV version because everybody has talked about it forever at all of these things, you know? So I don't know, it did have a very cool, creepy basement and um, the creatures were fun and the whispering still is very scary. For some reason, that's a scary thing to, I think humans in general and horror fans in particular. Yeah, it actually sounds really interesting to me, and I would definitely check either of those out. Yeah, well, if you want to watch it, you know, a lot of people, this was just never available. If you were going to watch it, it was a bootleg tape mm -hmm. of it yeah. that somebody had actually videotaped, you know, very early on off of uh, ABC. Had it, it, like, recording in the background. Right. <laughs> like, oh, what's this? Yep. Right. So, uh, but now, because of the Warner Archives things, which is the same way I watched Bermuda Depths way back then, and... Uh, oh, yeah. When we Day talked of the about Dolphin? That. No, not Day oh, of the okay. Dolphin. <laughs> um, had Warner, Warner Archives um, will put out movies and basically they don't print it until you order it is the way it works. Uh -huh. So you're paying $25 for a very bare bones DVD. Uh, this is also, I believe, right now available to 
watch on Prime. And that's uh, that's my pick, and that's all of the picks. So I think that it uh-huh. becomes Vanessa's turn. That's right. Oh man, Yay. I'm going to go ahead and pick plant-based horror. Horror to based explain. on plants. <laughs> it just has to have a plant featured. Um, ideally, not not like a not a power plant. Not planting things on people. <laughs> you mean like a grow-in-the-ground plant? An organic thing that is a plant. I'm doing Invasion of the Body Snatchers. We're not doing Invasion of the Body Snatchers. No. Uh, probably shouldn't do Attack of the Killer Tomato. I don't know. Like, uh, Day of yeah. the Triffids. <laughs> Day of the Triffids is fine. If you want to sit through that no, movie, not. go for no, it. <laughs> It's a rough, it was a rough read and it was a rough watch. And uh, what's the other one? A little shop of horrors. Let's avoid that too. That, that sounds fair. Yeah, sure. yeah. Yeah. Bless everybody who's seen those movies. So, exactly. so watching a movie and there's a plant in the background. I'm good. All right. <laughs> That's a heavily featured plant. It's got to be oh, okay. a part right, of the plot right. in some way. Okay. It doesn't have to be a, be a movie literally about plants, but it's got to, the plant has to be right. a key pivotal thing to the film. Cool. I like it. I can work with this. Kind of like basements, but with plants. <laughs> and less basements. Could be. Depends that some people grow things in the basement. It's true. I'm not gonna I'm not less. gonna say you can't use a plant basement combo. <laughs> all right you guys enough of this bullshit um thanks to everybody for listening all of the kind words uh the rating the reviewing the sharing we really appreciate that especially at flower mound texas and um i want to go when this is all over I wanna go uh, you mentioned it. uh reviewing again let's Get some reviews in again, folks. I want some new five-star challenges of movies to watch and talk about. So go rate us. Give us five stars. And probably me end <laughs> up watching a movie that you challenge us to watch. And uh, we, we need to get more ratings on, um, well, wherever you want to put them now. We used to just say iTunes, and that's still the gold standard. So we'd prefer that. Mm-hmm. But if you want to put it on Spotify, that'd be great. Or uh, Google. Was it Google Play? I think is what it's called for Google. Any place, every place. Or if you put it in one iTunes and you really like us, feel free to find the other ones. If you give <laughs> us a five on iTunes and gave me a movie, you give us a five on Spotify or wherever their rankings work, you can give a second film. Beautiful. Yeah. Do I love that. it. <laughs> You've got time right now. Go I'm for it, sure. guys. <laughs> I will see. make time for our reviewers that love us enough to give us five stars. No I have never felt slimier after hearing that pitch for begging for reviews. But I thought uh, it's him and not me. That's the world we live in. <laughs> I will say this, you guys. Uh, the reviews help so much because yes. uh, the more reviews you have, the more eyes you get on the show. And we have uh, zero advertising budget. So this yeah. is how we get in front of other eyes. Or ears, as it were. So, okay, thanks so much. Uh, we will be back next week with plant-based horror. In between that, we will have uh, our usual short eons, which uh, give you little suggestions of things you can binge watch or whatever streaming on various streaming platforms right now. Okay, right. everybody, get out of here. See ya. Bye. Our podcast is recorded at Eric's house and Vanessa's house and Kelly's house and is engineered and edited by Eric Morgret. Our theme music is Strange Eons Part 1 by the band Nightshade and is used with permission. Find Strange Eons Radio on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and wherever fine podcasts are found. 
Have you been wanting to lose weight and get healthy? Now's the perfect time to start Nutrisystem. Enjoy your favorite foods made healthier, delivered free to your door. Right now, you can get Uniquely Yours Ultimate, our most complete foolproof plan at an amazing price. Order today and save 50%, plus get an extra $40 off. Go to Nutrisystem.com save and discover what millions of people already know. Nutrisystem works. Limitations apply. See website for full offer details. This week at Macy's, get an extra 25% off the season's latest styles with your coupon or Macy's card. That's on top of already great savings, like 20 to 50% off Ink, DKNY, Clubroom, and more of your favorite designers for him and her. Get 30% off one pair, 40% off two pairs of boots, shoes, and booties. And prep your kitchen with 20 to 50% off roasting pans, cookware, and more. Plus, Star Rewards members earn rewards faster during Star Money bonus days, now at Macy's. Savings off regular sale and clearance prices, exclusions apply.